As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. All we're doing is creating private industry that widens the gap between people who have and people who have not. It comes down, PJ, to a very simple rule of be a good neighbour, talk to your neighbours. And I'd say, because of bureaucracy, I cannot get work permits. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Came in on the bus this morning and I noticed two things. One, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous morning. I walked over Patrick's Bridge at around 14 or 15 minutes past seven and there was a look at what they call nautical twilight. It was just that moment before the sun comes up, that lovely orangey pinky sky and the reflections on the water were just absolutely beautiful beautiful morning the other thing I noticed was the lights had come on just like that the lights came on there was no event there was no street party there was no Santa there was no choir there was no stage there was no Casey and Ross like we had for a few years up on the stage it just went oh there they are now, we were told a couple of weeks ago that that's what was going to happen, but I think still people were very disappointed that at the end of the day. That is what happened. There was no event, no party, no nothing. And they were saying in the council, look, it was too late to organise one, and there was a safety issue, and there was this, and big gatherings, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and none of it made much sense in terms of an explanation. And then on the Thursday evening, the lights come on. They're nice, they are now, they're very pretty And they're not all on just yet And we'll have about 60 Christmas trees By the time it comes up 
uh, towards uh, December and they're all LED lights and they're beautiful I love the coloured ones you know the little strand of coloured ones that are co- I love those I really do like those and Glow will be on and they've done lovely stuff with LED moving lights this year they really are nice I'm just wondering and I know we knew about it a couple of weeks ago but people were disappointed I saw some people on Facebook last night and on Twitter while, while Twitter is still there because God knows what's going to happen to Twitter this weekend um, people were disappointed that, the, that there was no big switch on and people asking the question well what would be the harm in giving kids a smile what would have been the harm in having a stage and Santa and a bit of fun and a band and a few dancers and some colour what would have been the harm people asking that question last night on social look the lights are the lights are on and it's only five weeks on Saturday is Christmas Eve so the countdown is well and truly on and glow is up next weekend the back in Bishop Lucy Park with all that goes along with that 0818969696 good morning and uh, text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Later this morning, if this was a sound you could hear at all hours of the day or the night, would you know what it was? Would you know what that was? Would you? If I told you... That's mice. Mice in someone's next door house. Coming into their house. And that's all the time. That's all the time. And there's mice in the cereal. And there's mice in the toys. And there's mice droppings in the washing. And catch up with Angel later this morning. And of course, more fun. Euro to spend on toys, Julianne. It's all yours. <laughs> Great excitement. Thanks very much, Lauren. Oh, that is what we love to hear, Julianne. Happy spending, happy shopping. You got all the smallies there with you, Sarah? You've just won a 500 euro <laughs> toy shopping spree. Oh my God. <laughs> We'll do another round of it between 10 and 11 this morning. Oh, and we'll be paying tribute later as well to Vicky Phelan. So a whole lot to do this Friday morning. First of all, to uh, Laura. Laura, your car was parked and it got broken into. Now, you had nothing in it worth taking, but uh, you got a fright all the same. Morning. Hi, CJ. How are you? So I just came out to work as normal at uh, quarter past seven Wednesday morning and just heading up to the car and I could just see it out of glass so as I got up closer then I could see that the window was smashed in there was a rock on the floor beside it um, and a rock inside in the footwell as well of the car Yeah. so I could see straight away that someone had damaged it um, and I rang the guards first thing before even looking inside and they were very quick they were done within half an hour mm. but we could see that the glove box was open and they had taken things out but just looked like they were rooting for something, hoping to find something, but there was nothing of value in the car at all, nothing taken. Yeah. That's near the bus stop in Crosshaven, isn't it? You, you, you park down there because you can't park at home, yeah? Yeah, so I live in the village um, and I don't have a private driveway, so I park in the public car parks down there. Um, I've been living there about five years now, parking all the time. Yes. Um, and you would, you'd always have in the back of your mind, you know, that it's 
there and they're coming home from the pub, would there be anything done? Um, I did a few months ago get a wing mirror kicked off the car. I could see the footprint on it, um, but I didn't report that at the time. I just said there was no point, got it repaired. Yeah. But then coming out to this, I just thought this was another level. You know, it was just a shock, I suppose, to see it. Disheartening to think someone would do it. And because you park it in such a public place, you're very careful, I think, are you? Yeah, well, I've been parking there so long, and even I can nearly see the car from where I'm living. Um, All my neighbours are parking in there as well. There was probably 10 or 12 cars in there that same night. There was two parked right beside me, and none of the other ones um, were touched, from what I know, anyway. A 2012 Renault Fluence is what you have. Yeah. So I rang the guards, and they were very good. They were down and very understanding and empathetic as well. Um, so they just took details. Um, they did fingerprint in the car, and they're looking into CCTV now. Mm. But I think where it is, there's no CCTV, even from local businesses, that actually reaches that area of the car park. Yes. So I think there's thin chances for anything to come out of it, really. Um, which is, I suppose, a bit annoying as well. Because if they're not caught, they'll probably do it again. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. if they get away with it. Will, will your insurance cover the damage? Yeah, the insurance will cover the damage. It's mainly the window, really. Um, yeah. And that's being replaced, hopefully, tomorrow or next week. So it's just in- inconvenient. There was a lot of glass. Yeah, geez, a lot of glass from one window. Just smith- um, the smithereens, yeah. Um, and even trying to clean it out of the car and everything like that. Yeah. It's just stuck everywhere. And, of course, outside for anyone walking or anything like that. Yeah. Dangerous. I think you're wondering if anybody might have had a, a dash cam or spotted anything. At, like, you've no, you've no idea of the time it was done, no? No, not an exact time. Um, the car was fine at 9 o'clock Tuesday night. And then when I came out at quarter past 7 Wednesday morning. So it was between those hours. I did put it up on the local notice board on Facebook just yeah. to see by any chance if anyone saw anything or had dash cam footage. Um, it would obviously be helpful, but I'm not holding out hope as well. No. If... I don't know, talking about it and making people aware, it yes. might even prevent it from happening again in that area, if even for a while. Um, it's just unnecessary upheaval, really, and it's just upsetting to think someone would do it. Yes. And now parking back there again, you'd always be wondering, will it happen again? And when you don't know who it is, you're wondering, are you passing them in your local shop? Driving yes. past them in the village? Yes. Well, look, at least it's going to be covered by the insurance, but you'd like to see... Who did it? Punished, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, not even punished, but just even if they were, I suppose, told, we know you did this or caught for it, it might prevent them from doing it again. Like, I feel sorry for them as well, because if this is the type of person they are, then that's nothing to be proud of. You're more charitable than I would be, I may say, Laura. <laughs> well, people are good, like the good outweigh the bad all the time. And like even the amount of people, family, friends, co-workers, the offers of people that I had to help clean up or offer me a car for the few days to get to work and back when I had no car. It was amazing, you know, people are great. All right, Laura, do your best to have a good weekend. Thanks so much, PJ. Thanks for having me. No problem, girl, no problem. That's Laura in Crosshaven. Uh, look, it goes with the time of year. Tis the season, as they say. They'll be watching your car for anything they can see in the back seat, in the boot, in the front seat. They'll be watching your car and they would as my mother would put it, they'd take the eye out of your head if you gave them half a chance. So be careful. Also, there's a good story in the Echo today, which came from uh, our friends at C103. Uh, Patricia Messenger 
was talking to the guards on C103 and they're warning people not to leave packages on the doorstep, which is very appropriate because over the last few years with online, we started to order, didn't we all start ordering stuff online and then the courier man would arrive in the lorry or the van and leave it with us on the doorstep, hide it behind a plant pot or leave it with a neighbour and you'd come home from work or if you were out at the shops, you'd come home and there'd be a couple of little boxes tucked in behind the plant pot. Gary, they advise against that over the next few weeks because people will be watching and they'll take your packages and your parcels and best to have a neighbour to take the delivery for you or if you're working, if you have a work address, get it delivered to work. Work won't mind. It's a lot of stuff comes in here for us. Loads of us here order to work this time of the year. It's just safer than leaving it at home on the doorstep. But don't don't leave packages on your doorstep over the next few weeks is the advice from the guards because they will be robbed. Is our love for belters only making you feel good? Or has Lewis Capaldi got you thinking, forget him? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100-euro pennies voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. C96FM.ie So it was the talk of Cork yesterday morning. KC's to be sold. That beautiful chipper in the heart of Douglas there since 1958 to be sold with a price tag of 2 million euro and people are going, what will we do without our Creoles? What is going to happen to KC's? And then, well, it kind of isn't really for sale at all they're just testing the market to see what might be out there and what interest they would be. At least that's what the family say. The Crawford family, who have had KCs since 1958. The gaffer there at the moment is Wesley Crawford, who is overseas, so there may be a little bit of a delay on this line, Wesley, but we'll work with it. So you're... you're the, the, the KCs is not, for, is not closing. Good morning. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, KC's isn't closing. Um, no, I, I suppose I see this a little bit like the situation that happened with the McDonald brothers. They opened up similar time to my father in California, and they were working away at a really nice operation. And somebody else came in and thought, I can do something with this. I can make it bigger. Um, I think we've, as a family, we've, we've taken this as far as we can. And I'm just interested to see if somebody else wants to take it on another little leg of the journey. Um, I think there's potential for more. Mm. On the other hand, somebody might be quite happy to um, to step in and do what we're doing now. I, mean, I, I would be very reluctant to part company and think that someone's going to radically change it because I've, I've got a loyalty to the, the business yeah. in my heart. And to my customers, who obviously, for whatever reason, enjoy what we're doing. Well, so the, um, I wouldn't like that to change, you know. There's a, there's a huge loyalty. And, you know, we, we've talked before, Wesley, about when people come to Cork, yeah. and particularly when people move to Douglas, and they're told, you got to go to KC's. And they say, what's KC's? Well, you just go and see. You can go and see what it's like. It's, it's not an ordinary chipper. It never has been. 1958. Tell us the history, Wesley. 
Uh, my parents opened it up then. Uh, my father had lost his job as a timber merchant. Uh, we were about to move to America. And um, a friend of his, whose uh, father-in-law was in the, the fish and chip shop business, said he was thinking of opening up a chip shop and my father should do the same. So they did. Uh, my mum had a background in um, catering, I suppose, loosely. I mean, she, she was a food technician in the hospital in America. So she was well familiar with the, the ins and outs of, of uh, catering for large groups. So they decided to go and open in Douglas, which they did, dutifully, with a, the usual tiny menu that was um, common in the 1950s, probably six or seven items on the menu. Yeah. Um, and then about 1960-62, she had fond memories of eating hamburgers in the States, so she thought, why don't we do those? Um, and that took off very well. So I don't know if she was the first person in Cork doing hamburgers or not, but sir, she certainly was one of the first mm. first few that were doing them uh, well, in the Cork area. There, there so, certainly yeah, aren't too many more places well. that date themselves back to 1958, put it that way. No, no, there's Lennox's and there was, there was a few others around, but uh, yeah, not many have stayed in the same family for that length of time, I must admit. Um, whether whether that says something about our stupidity or or what I don't know, but anyway, we've stuck with it and uh, we've we've enjoyed it over the years. But you know, you get to a certain age and you think, well, maybe maybe someone else could do a bit more with this than I'm I'm capable of doing. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's why I just thought, let's let's see what happens. The the one fear that people had. Yep. Wesley, when this story came out, was oh well, it'll be bought up now by some big developer, and we'll end up with with some faceless, soulless shop there. Not going to happen. I know. I know. Well, I I can't see it. I I certainly wouldn't want to part um, with the business if I thought that was going to happen. No, there's other ways of doing it. Um, no, I I would hate to see it going down down that road. Um, of the sort of, as you said, the, the soulless, mass-produced, shake it out of a freezer bag into a fryer. Um, of what we do, we do from scratch as much as we possibly can. Mm. Um, and hopefully, that, you know, people feel that they're eating real food as opposed to something that's that's just come out of a freezer yeah. compartment. And the phenomenon of the queue and the pictures of the queue and people queuing in the I rain, know, there aren't know, too many, there aren't too many chippers like that, Wesley. No, th- there aren't. There aren't. I- I'm here in New Zealand at the moment, and I've just been eating at one that that's similar. <laughs> yeah. In Queenstown, go for a burger, um, and you, th- yeah, you, um, you know, it it is just incredible how how people will patiently stand there and wait. And again, I, I ate there a couple of days ago, and I thought, yeah, you know, what they're doing is good, and it's worth queuing. And I suppose people are feeling the same about ourselves. There you go. That uh, what you're getting is reasonable value for money, and it's fresh, real food as opposed to, as, as I said, mass-produced nonsense. Stuff. Have you mm-hmm. got yeah. a particular favourite from the menu over the years? Well, I suppose the the one that's probably kept me and my family in, in bread and butter ourselves is, is the Creole. That yeah. that just sells and sells and sells all the time. So um, yeah, it's it's. I keep hoping I'm going to think up something else that's of similar popularity, but that just holds its head above all the others constantly. Constantly, yeah. Constantly. yeah. 
I've, I've, I've a friend who is particularly partial to your flaming pig. Uh, and a uh, flaming pig in the yep. spud, and, and he says he always counts his own fingers after it because <laughs> he gets he yep. gets stuck okay. in. And I'd be into the I'd be one of your yep. into the pitiful pitiful poultry, and, and that'd be my particular favourite. Yep. Well, that would be an old favourite as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean, that that's the, I suppose that's that's the thing that people like is that they they have their favourites. They can also easily customise it. So, you know, if somebody doesn't want pineapple or wants extra this or extra that, it doesn't crack the staff up yes. to do it. That's so, another thing. You so take you the are, order. You are able to That's tweet. another phenomenon. Yeah. I'm bringing a friend there one time and yeah. I said to him at the door, I said, have your order ready. Have your order ready and know what you want and how fast you take it, how quick they work, however. It's, it's like a well-oiled machine running through running through the house and I think that really really has always impressed impressed people um, one, someone here is saying one thing you have to say there's never trouble outside there's never trouble outside the food is always piping hot no. plenty of it and, and really good You've, have you figured out what the secret is over the years the fresh food the unique menu what is it I, I think it, it does come down to that, that I, I think people can tell the difference between food that, that comes from a real source you know I I think I, I wouldn't sell anything in there that I wouldn't eat myself at home Yes. so I won't use ingredients of an inferior quality mm. so you know if I, wouldn't, if I wouldn't put it on my table I wouldn't sell it to the customers so we've, we've never taken we've never stinted on, on quality yes. I remember being at a trade fair once and the person on the stand said you know you're the first person that hasn't asked me what the price of this is. You've asked me about the source of it. You've asked me about the quality, mm. but you haven't asked me the price. And you know, by and large, that that's been our philosophy. Yeah. Um, and it, it it seems to work. It it seems to work. Yeah. yeah. And with people, I mean, last year I was just looking at figures there, and we we must have fed something like three hundred and twenty thousand people last year. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. The last time you and I Which spoke on the lot, radio... A was, lot of mouths, a lot of mouths. Yeah. The last time you and I spoke was when poor old Pat passed away. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the man with the big it's laugh. People still remember yep. him. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. Um, and, and how how he... Did. I suppose that tells you how trade has changed, though. You know, Pat, Pat could stand there and he had time to laugh at you, to take your order, to add up the amount in his head and to give you probably more or less the right change um it was just incredible um now we're we're so technologically locked in to computers and yes. push buttons and screens and stuff um i'm hopefully that the vibe hasn't you know hasn't gone but uh, that definitely it was a one-off yeah you were nearly um, wiped so, out in the great yeah. flood of 2012 then weren't you oh yeah that was dramatic yeah that was yes, um, that was phenomenal. Coming into to needy water, yeah. So that, that wiped out most of our machinery because unfortunately all the refrigeration would be down at that level. Uh, dishwashers went. Oh, it was just incredible. Um, then the water got behind all the sheeting on the walls, so all that had to be stripped out. But you know, great. The insurance were were nice to us. We were able to reinstate very quickly. I've got a couple of friends that that are in the building trade. They yes. dropped everything. And we, we got back up very quickly, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. But it, it was one of these things, again, there was friends of mine living in Cape Cod, and they went into their local store in Cape Cod, and the two girls behind the counter were going, did you hear? KC's has been flooded. It's closed. 
and it just it just again emphasised to me that the the diaspora, I suppose, of Cork people, yeah, that that have an emotional connection. Well, sure, what at, at one and that, stage, that's why it, at yeah. one stage the the queue had a, had a webcam on it, and people were watching it. I remember it that. did, it did, and and sadly with with data protection, you can't do that anymore. But that was great fun because people were waving to their friends in other countries, and it it was a great buzz. Was was that, that why that it stopped, the, Wesley? Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, you, you can't broadcast without people's permission. So, um, yeah, so we had to stop that. Yeah, because it, it. But maybe the data commissioners will, will rethink <laughs> these things. It would be great fun. And I remember watching yeah. it on Facebook and people, oh, look, yeah. there's Casey's and there's fellas in Shanghai and Canberra and, you know, downtown oh, yes. Darjeeling. It's Casey's, yep. you know. Yeah. Well, yep. I'm asked this it morning. Was, it, was, it was great. I'm asked this morning to pass on uh, best regards uh, to you from a, a, mute, a mutual friend who's now. Resident in Wales, Micklage. Oh, really? Yeah. Hello, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. He did. He did uh, a lot in our place over the years as well. Yep. So it's nice to hear that he's still alive and well. Alive and well, and, li- and living in Wales. Yep. And he sent me. Yep. He sent. When I told him you were going to be on with me this morning, he sent to give you his best regards. Oh, very good. Well, hopefully he's not starving. He's <laughs> far far from it. Yeah. Well, Wesley, it's great to know <laughs> yep. that it's not going to close. And who knows oh, what will happen not. with the brand? It's the brand. I think it, is it, yeah. is it, it's the brand is on the market, isn't it? To see what will happen with the brand. I suppose you could put it that way. You could put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Because I do think there's potential. You know, we've we've done what we can. I, I think there's there's more mileage in it yet. Mm. So yeah, will it leave um, the family? We'll, do you we'll think? Wait and see. Do you, could you see it leaving the family? I would. I would think so. Yeah. I might. My. my both my sons have got other projects that, that they're interested in. My, my son, Zach, has got his own um, design company. He's also getting a music career going. Uh, Josh has got all sorts of things that he's interested in doing. So, yeah, I could easily see it. Yeah, they're, they're probably, yeah, that could happen, which which would be very sad. Mm. Um, but if we can't if we can't get the right fit, before the next owner of such a thing happens, then yeah. I don't think it will happen. All right, all right. Listen, enjoy. You know, I do think they they need to have that ethos. Uh, otherwise, I'd be very very sad. Enjoy your time in New Zealand, Wesley Wesley Crawford, owner of KC and Son and Sons, dating back to 1958. So it's not closing. The brand is out there for sale. They're going to see what the market brings them, and if it's not right. It won't be sold. Mary says, uh, this is about Christmas lights now at home, not the ones in town that came on last night and no one told us about it. But then again, we knew they wouldn't. Anyway, we all owe deeds, says Mary, on buying Christmas lights over lockdown because it cheered us up. Now we're all terrified of using them because of the energy crisis. I'm wondering what's the best way to proceed. Is there a timer situation? Is there any way to put them on a timer? Is there any particular light that's dearer to run or cheaper to run. Well, the last bit is the easy bit, Mary. Anything with LED, LED is far, far cheaper to run than bulbs. So if you're buying lights or if you have lights in a box, if they're LEDs, they're far, far cheaper to run. You wouldn't believe how much cheaper they are to run than than running bulbs. With regards to timers, yeah, you'll get timers anywhere. Some of them come with timers in them. Have a look at that. 
Some of them have built-in timers and you just have to figure out how to work it. The other thing, you can pop to Woody's or B&Q or any of those places and you'll pick up little timer timer plugs. So bring the whole lot back to, to a plug and stick a timer on the plug and you can do it that way. Uh, another thing you can do, and I did this myself, is you can put the whole lot on remote control, which is really easy. Again, it involves this one... I think Woody's or, or Dwyer's or some places that you get them. You get a, a little set of remote control plugs and you plug them all in and there's a control button that switches the whole lot on and the whole lot off at the same time. Uh, I did that last year. Uh, so there are many ways to, to time them, to control them and definitely if they're LEDs, they're far, far, far cheaper. That's the advice, Mary. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to the lovely people, the Kellehers, Laura and Finton, uh, who are in Australia. And they're one of the families who are caught up in this uh, organ scandal with CUH, where organs were sent away and incinerated in Belgium without anybody's consent, without anybody's knowledge. And the families found out about it by means of social media and a television documentary. There was supposed to be a report coming out on what happened, how it happened, why it happened, and all those details. Hopefully, who approved for it to happen. And that report was due out Months ago at this stage, it seems now, Leona Birmingham, uh, one of the first people to speak out publicly about this. Uh, morning, Leona. Good morning, Peter. When were you supposed to get a copy of this report, a draft at least? Um, we were promised to get it last November, November 21. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. And 12 months on, nothing? 12 months on, we don't even have a commence date as of now. And when you ask why, what did they tell you? Um, we have asked why a million times and we have got so many different answers. Um, I mean, at the beginning, it was all COVID. Um, then it was because of legal work. Um, now we don't, now there is no why. It's just that it's been, it's in the final stages. It's in the final stages of being finalised and it'll be a number of weeks. That's all we're getting since September. Yeah. And, and there'll be no draft now for you to yeah, see. Yeah, so yeah, we learned this devastating news um, just this week um, that we have now been locked out of any involvement of the report um, in the terms of reference in the report. Um, anyone that participated in the report gets to see the draft report, consider the report, provide feedback, yeah. make the necessary changes. As, as, and, as is right, you you were a stakeholder in it. I hate that yeah, word, um, sorry for using it, but you were you were a stakeholder in it and you should see the draft and say, no, I don't like the way that's being said or I don't like the use of those words or that's not what happened and that's not what I said. But you've been locked yeah. out of that. Yeah, we have we have been locked out of it um, and we were not even told directly from the hospital that we have been locked out of it. Um, uh, we do know that the staff members that took part in it have seen a first draft and have been able to make necessary changes. But unfortunately, um, the commissioner has decided not to allow the grieving families see the draft of the report. Leona, this is scandalous. Oh, it's... It's absolutely horrendous. It's it's soul destroying. I mean, so like, everybody else. Let's just let's just break this down for for listeners. And 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 you're a mourning. You and and Glenn yeah. are still in mourning, still broken, mm-hmm. still devastated by the loss of your little baby, and for what happened afterwards. 
You're a major oh, yeah. stakeholder in this report. And you're the only ones not allowed to see the draft. You're the only ones not allowed to contribute to the final report. You're the only ones not allowed to say, no, that's not what happened, or that's not what I said, or that's not what I want printed. You're the only ones been locked out of this. Yeah, and when we when I did question it, it was so that no other family can find out indirectly about the report. Um, we have argued that if this is the first draft or the final draft, um, this this can still happen. Um, but yeah, that's that's the excuse that we're receiving now, and and they're going with it. Um, I have contacted the commissioner um, for a comment and he had just basically refused to return my call. Um, the last time I did email him, I was waiting 10 weeks for a reply. So I don't think I'm going to get a reply um, oh. anytime soon from him. How does this make you and Glenn feel, Leona? Oh, this is uh, devastating, really. It's devastating, um, especially going into this time of year now again, into Christmas time. And we don't know if we're going to go through another Christmas without a report. Is this report going to end up on our doorstep Christmas week? Um, as you know, I have Lewis and we want to give Lewis the best Christmas and be in a jolly humour for him. Um, but it's it's really hard when we have the weight of our wor- the world on our shoulders and like that, we don't know what devastating blow is going to come next. Yes, and moreover, the, the other thing that could well happen, Leona, is that when you do get a report, you'll read it and go, that's not what we said at all. That's not what we were told at all. That, that is my biggest fear now because we have already been through this. We went to a meeting in November 2020 with the hospital. Um, there was a minute taker there. We waited five months to get the minutes of the meeting back and it was completely out of context. It was not what we said at all. Um, and so I know I have this fear of that I will not agree with what's going to be in this and I cannot make changes. Yes. The political response to all this how do you feel about it the minister for health encouraged us as families to take part last september yes. um and for us families that was a very big step going going to meet with the review team speaking about our experience uh, like that took an awful lot from us and right now it's it was pointless um it's it wasn't worth it because we have no involvement in the report now. Um, like the minister uh, said yes, or the Tornish said yesterday, the draft report and the final report are the same thing. Um, so yeah, it just goes to show that. But the draft report and the final, that's an awful stupid step. The draft report and the final, yeah. the word draft, the word draft yeah. is important. Draft means it can be changed. Final means it yeah. can't. Yeah, we have we have been hearing from from our government. Um, I mean, like it's it's over thirteen years that they failed to put this legislation in place, and and we we have suffered the consequences from this legislation not being in place, and it's it's so unfair. Yeah. Um, it, actually, yeah. it, it was the Kellehers who reminded me, Leona, when I talked to them there a week or two ago. God, such lovely people, just like yourself and and then, like it was Mary Harney. <laughs> who came up with yeah. this? Like that, yeah. it's not today or yesterday since she was minister for health. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, we we can't understand why there is not a lack of urgency to get this published. Um, 
we it's just it's like and we saw it prime time again last week where there has been more devastating more of, news. More, I have a call coming in already. I have a call coming in already from people yeah. we haven't spoken to before and I'll be talking to them after ten. Yeah, that just proves again how important this legislation is to be passed. Um and I can't understand why it's not been like we, we got told last year that this will be published the law will be published it says and we got told again during the summer, oh, it's it's up there. It's one of the things we're going to do. It's going to be brought to cabinet and it still hasn't been brought to cabinet. How do you keep going without oh. losing your temper? But I, I think this week was probably the first time that I did get really annoyed. But yeah, I think the simple answer for that is Lewis. Um, he, he's keeping us going now at the moment and trying to keep up happy appearances. But other than that, yeah, we just don't know what's going to come next. It's the unknown that's scaring us. It's We just want to mourn. We want to grieve in peace and know what happened to Lee and just get some sort of closure. We deserve, that's the least we deserve at this stage. Of course you do, of course you do. I I asked Finton actually, when he was on with me, um, does he want to know the name of the person who signed off on all of this. Do you want to know that, Leona? At the beginning, um, I didn't. Um, but now it's going on for so long. Um, it's, I mean, there has been so, we've been through so many emotions. We got so many excuses. Now, now I want to know, now I feel like, what is, what are they trying to hide? What is, what are they, why won't they let us know what happened or who signed this off or where, where are baby's organs definitely are um i want to know everything now um because i feel like they're they're trying to keep something from us and yeah i want to know the ins and outs Do you of know it, really. what occurs to me why you've been locked out of the draft and i'm thinking and with all due respect to everybody else involved any official any nurse any doctor anybody because leona i think myself that if you got the draft in your door, or Finton and 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 Laura got the draft, or anybody else that I've spoken to got the draft. Your questions would be the hardest questions to answer. Your questions would be the most probing questions to answer. That's why you've yeah, been locked out. And we have we have provided questions. We 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 done. I think we done all this hard groundwork already. Um, we went and met with the review team. We sat and asked the questions. We asked the heartbreaking questions and they still not get an answer like one year on from that meeting. They still not have the report. It's it's just feels like we are just being blocked out of this process and it's not fair on us. I can, I can, I'm, I'm so angry for you. Yeah, anger. We have, we have been through the emo- Nothing is surprising us anymore. Like we, we have our little group chat, and again, we had to put into the group chat because the hospital didn't even tell us directly that there was no first draft. When I did question them about it, it was they told us in an email in September. But if you go back and read the email in September, it just says says the hospital has come to the agreement that all families will receive the final report. Um either by post or out at the hospital so that no one will hear indirectly and that's what they said was mm. their way of communicating So you're just getting the final get report. Exact. So something yeah. that you took part in after being asked mm-hmm. 
by the Minister for Health to take yes. part in it. You're allowed, you're, you're, you're asked to take part in it, but you're not allowed to see the draft. Yeah, even it's in the terms of reference. I mean, the incident management framework states that anyone involved should have be able to provide feedback and make necessary changes. But yeah, they just, they're just not going by anything they should be really. Yeah. How's Lewis looking forward to Christmas? Oh, he's so excited and I I wish we could just be really excited and go into Christmas with clear heads and have a great time. But yeah, that's not looking likely again, again this year. I know. Look after yourself, Leona. Always great talking Thanks to you. Thanks so much. Right, best to Thank ten you. and best to baby Lewis. Oh God, this blasted country. This bloody country, lads. I, sometimes I just want to give up. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that tribute to Vicky Phelan is at 11.15 this morning. We have a little specially produced audio montage of Vicky and we'll play a special song at quarter past 11 this morning in the midst of all the Vicky Phelan story when she passed away Monday um, another loss, another great loss in sporting circles here in Cork, kind of went over my head I completely forgot to mention it I had a note written to mention it I had an article pulled to go through and I completely forgot because of Vicky's death I completely forgot to mention Jerry Holland and I'm mentioning today because Ronan O'Gara has written a magnificent piece in The Examiner about his friend and mentor and coach Jerry and also earlier in the week uh, Donald Donald Lenehan wrote a marvellous piece about his lifelong friend uh, Jerry Holland uh, I knew Jerry um, the days of following Munster Rugby around Europe with myself and the late great Frank O'Brien and Olin Kelleher, who was a commentator here. He's now a judge in the in the district court. And we had a little motley crew that toured Europe and toured Ireland and England and wherever following rugby. And, and, and always, always a pleasure and a joy and great fun to spend time in Jerry Holland's company. And a young man and a lovely man, a genuinely, genuinely nice man and a great rugby man. Uh, and he passed away in the last week or so and a lovely article today by Ronan and another lovely one by uh, Donald Lenehan as well earlier on in the week so I just wanted to, to mention him in passing this morning 0818 96 96 96 the number the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie so hard says Morris to listen to the heartbreak in Leona's voice a disgrace the hospital covering up their mistakes, not letting the families contribute, is just another way of covering up lies. I'm so angry here. Yeah, I know, I know, Morris, like, to, to, to tell them, to ask them, for the Minister for Health to ask the families to take part in the process. And they say, OK, we'll do it. We'll go through the heartache and the pain and the trauma of going through it all again for the benefit of a report. And then to be told... Well, you'll get the report when it's done. 
and then to realise you're the only people who contributed to that report who won't be allowed to see a draft. You'll get the completed report. Everybody else who took part, everybody else who was a party to that report or a stakeholder in that report, everybody else got to check it first, but not you. The people most affected by this. No, not you. How bloody disrespectful is that? How totally contemptible and damnable is that? And don't be giving me explanations. Oh, it's one eight nine. Trying to. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, in the midst of it all, we got a call from Michelle. Michelle, you were involved in this. A, a very deeply personal story and it's brought it all back to you. Good morning. Yeah. Hi, how are you? What happened? Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Um, I managed to know it's actually after um, bringing it all back, unfortunately, and not in a good way. Um, I, in 2001, I was in the bonds and basically I was pregnant and the gynecologist told me that I had a better chance of my baby living in the Rotunda than it, than it would be in Cork. Okay. So we travelled to the Rotunda and two days later my baby was delivered by a classical C-section. I'm sorry, short. Um, he, we, we had to turn the machines off um, three days later because he got a bleed in the brain and um, we signed a form um, to say that they could use his organs as re- for research, uh, but don't touch his eyes. And um, it was just something that we just didn't want to, course, you know. So we we, we tried. Um, we signed this this form that said that they could use his organs for research and that um, they would dispose of the organs later. And um, that was okay. Came back from well, they gave me a horrific photograph of my baby. Coming down on the train, it was like something you'd see on Stephen King thing or whatever. And um, that was the 10th of April 2001. And the 1st of April 2002, I was pregnant again and my my womb burst. Um, so we had to rebury, that was two bit burials. And oh God, I was so she lost, I was told, she lost two babies, my God. Yeah, so um, I was told that I couldn't have children anymore, and basically, um, because my womb had erupted, like. And um, 2007, I, I, I found out that I was pregnant, and I was terrified, absolutely terrified, because I'm thinking, oh my God, here we go again, here we go again. Long story short, um, I had to go into hospital for six months, um, and guess my womb erupted again, Um and my my baby now was fifteen. Thank God. Oh, she's, Michelle, that's brilliant. She's 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 a, oh my gosh, she's a star. And that's um, fantastic, Michelle. So she was born in two thousand and seven, the twenty fifth of October two thousand and seven at eight forty three in the morning. I I, <laughs> I just noticed. And um, a year and a half after she was born, I got this letter by chance from the Rotunda Hospital saying that I'm um, my my baby's organs would have to be collected. What? Yeah. Um, this was the baby I, that you lost in 2001. 2001, yeah. And, and yeah. you gave, just to, in case people missed it, you, you gave your consent at the time for yeah. 
his organs to be taken for research, except yeah. the eyes, which anyone and could understand. And to be disposed of afterwards. And to be dis- yeah. and to be disposed of after you weren't asking for them back, no? No, never. Yeah. And no. both of us saying that. Yeah. Okay. And you were told that after the research they'd be appropriately disposed of. Yes. Yes. So what yes. happened in two thousand and nine? By chance I got a letter, a uh, place I was living before. Um I got I got a letter from the Rotunda Hospital. Um at the time there was a big scam saying that that they were seemingly they were taking babies' organs uh, without consent, blah blah blah, whatever. I remember that and story. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where all uh, this legislation thing comes from. You see, yeah, yeah. And basically, I got this letter by chance, just by chance, like um, that my baby's organs were there to collect. To collect. Yeah. And um, so. My choice, I mean, like, basically I've got a letter saying that she can collect your baby's organs or we can dispose of them. After me, right, like, signing this thing years earlier. And, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's your baby. I mean, you're not going to, like, say, oh, yeah, I just get rid of him. No, do you know what I mean? So I got my baby's organs jumped from Dublin and I had to reopen the grave again with my other two babies and again and I ended up having a breakdown and it was just horrific Peter oh my god like it was it's absolutely so horrific so so they told they wrote to you and they told you yeah we still have them no they told me do you want to collect your babies do you organs? want to collect them yes nice and and then they so I mean I mean, we're not going to say no am I do you know what I mean no, it's part of my baby no. You know what I mean? I know that. And know. and so we had to... Kelly was only a year and a half, I think, and we took back up to the grave up in Alingolig and reopened the grave to bury my baby's organs with my other two babies so that they'd be... You know what I mean? And may I ask, how did they... How did they transfer... You went and collected them. How did they transfer... How did they... Did they put them in some... I think they, I think they brought them on courier or something like that to support okay. funeral home at the end of okay. Blarney Street or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And did they like? I I assume they were respectfully packed or whatever. Store. Within a white box. Little white box. Yeah. And you had to go off down to the grave and open the grave mm-hmm. and bury those again. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I look basically. I, I think I had a breakdown, like, and um, I, I kept ringing with the rotunda, and the receptionist um, apologised for the doctors because I explained to her. I said, "You actually realise what you've actually done to me, like." And she was like, "Oh, what are you calling?" I said, "I don't want to speak to the head doctor," she and she wouldn't speak to anybody. And the, and hearing Leona talk now this morning, I think, has, and and I'm sure the other families like Laura and Finton, a couple of, it's brought it all back to. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, I triggers, like, and unfortunately, <laughs> I listen to you every day, like, but unfortunately, that was one of them, you know. Well, I'm sorry that this has been painful for you. I know, but look. Thank, um, thank you for calling. Yeah, no problem. No problem. It took an awful lot of courage for you to do that this morning. Yeah, Michelle. yeah. Well, I think really that's the other thing. 
that's the other side of the story, PJ. Like, do you know what I mean? So, you know, I just thought, you know, people should know, like, it's not, <laughs> you know. Did, anyway. Did, did you ever find out why they hadn't done what they said they would do back in 2001? Um, as far as I know, um, because people were still in the hospitals because they had taken babies' organs without their, without their consent. That I think I just got in in the log book basically and decided oh eight, eight years later oh yeah we give our organs back you know what I mean yeah I think you know they I don't know I somewhere I, I did hear other other women with other similar stories mm-hmm. that they discovered years later that the hospitals still had the organs and 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 they gave them the option do you want to come and collect them like it like like if anyone is going to turn that down. You know? Yeah, I know. I know, but, but like, Peter, like, I, we, 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 both of us signed this thing that it would be for research and they would dispose of the, of the organs, like, later in, in obviously, in, in a good way and stuff like that. Indeed. Like, well, that didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Nine years later, sorry, eight years later. Do you know what I mean? Like, and get this letter and I'm like, oh, like, oh my God, like, you know what I mean? I know, I know. Michelle, it's just another example, I think, of how, how, women in have been treated and families mm-hmm. but women in this country I mean that was an awful thing to do the way yeah. Leona and the way the the Kellehers are being treated the way Vicky Phelan was treated yeah I know, yeah, know. it's horrific yeah absolutely horrific and, 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 and now you, and now this story that what happened to you just when you have gotten your life together you've had Mm-hmm. Your beautiful daughter, who is what did age did you say? Fifteen now. She's fifteen. She's fifteen since October. Yeah. You'd, you'd beaten all the odds, really. I know. I know, but it's just it's just really hard. You know what I mean? I know and, it is. You know. Have you have it, you it, someone it, have you someone to look after you now? Have you just after this call? Um, I'm grand. I'm fine. I'm Are you fine. sure? I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, look, if if I have a have a coffee and. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, thank you so All much. All right, no bother. Okay, for, thank you, for letting letting us into that corner of your life. Wow. Sometimes you get a call and it just stops the clock. It literally just stops the clock. Me and my people be rolling, rolling. Join Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96FM for your chance to win with the Pavilion Christmas Store. We're giving away 300 euro gift vouchers every day. Listen to Casey and Ross this Monday from 6am to win with the Pavilion Christmas Store. Discover the latest Christmas styling trends and delightful dining just minutes from Cork Airport. The Pavilion for Christmas, only on Cork's 96FM. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And just a reminder to you that it is that time of year again. Get the Christmas jumper out. Dig it out of the attic, give it a wash and a spin, or go buy a new one. Because every year we ask you, and once again this year, to get together with us and Cork Simon to fight homelessness. You can have a Christmas jumper day, anytime, place, anywhere. You can even do them online, if you still are inclined to do that kind of thing. The bottom line is that nobody wants their child to grow up homeless on Christmas Day. So hosting a Christmas jumper day for Cork Simon, well, it'll help us to make sure that there's help at hand. It's far more than just a gift. You can get a fundraising pack at CorkSimon.ie and then join us here at Cork's 96 FM as we fight homelessness in Cork. Just getting back to Leona and to Michelle and anybody who is affected by the stories you've been hearing this morning that wonderful association Felichon have a helpline at 085-249-6464 085-249-6464 wonderful organisation called Felichon that's for anybody affected by those kind of stories if you have your own story and you've never told it or your own story and it's bothering you give them a call and they'll, they'll chat with you 0818 96 96 96 to something completely different I mentioned at the top of the show this morning that the lights went on last night without anybody telling us it was going to happen no look they did tell us they were going to go on without anybody being notified they did tell us that there wouldn't be an event they did tell us that there wouldn't be a stage they did tell us that there wouldn't be Santee there was some rigmarole of an explanation that was a dangerous event a crowd control measures would be a problem and all that um, to me that sounded like a load of old hooey anyway they decided to just switch them on last evening Frank you're disappointed by the way they did it good morning good morning PJ no I know it's probably an insignificant story after what the heartbreak you've been talking about this morning like but you know the powers that be in City Hall they just need to go need to walk away now like it's an absolute disgrace to have something on so that the kids might smile. They're like the Grinch. Mm. You know, I mean, okay, you were talking about the cock and bull excuses. So just let's take them. Too big a crowd. Did they worry about that in Parky Creeve last week? Or did they worry about that the previous occasions that they did it? Well, you see, I think this is what a lot of it comes down to, PJ. The last time they done it, done it so it's think what 2019 it was pre-covid yeah yeah and huge event huge event a huge event and i i if i can remember rightly wasn't it kieran kieran kramer i think might have been on stage and when he was in the top of his health but what they do they closed all the side lanes so everybody was corralled on patrick street and then said oh we had we had a problem but it was was their decision to, to block off all the side lanes 
Yeah, I remember businesses, all right, and some of them were on here with me the the Monday or Tuesday after, because it happened, I think, on a Sunday, and they weren't happy with people not able to go down the side streets to to the businesses. That's right. But, I mean, they they corralled them all in. I mean, you think of it. This week alone now, we've seen, what, 3.5% rise in rates? Yeah. When the city is dying, and then on what probably would be one of the busiest nights or evenings in Patrick Street and surrounding areas. I mean, everybody that goes in there with their kids, or they might go to McDonald's, or they might drop into the centre on Patrick Street, yes. or they might go into a, one of the shops or a coffee or whatever. They raise the rate and then tell them, shag off, you can't have customers. Yeah. You know, I mean, who? I honestly believe, I know an out would only be tokenism, but I think one of the councillors should put down a motion in North Confidence and Doherty. I know I would have well, no standing. Well, no, let's, no let's not personalise it, Frank. I know she is the chief executive at the end of the day, and I guess you and know, she's she, the one who came out with the the, the book stops. The, the book stops with, with her. Of course, the, the explanation given, and I did say it, it sounded to me like you know a lot of old hooey, and, and I stand over that. But they were they were, they were giving different reasons as to, as to why they couldn't do it. Safety was one element. Crowd planning was another yeah, uh, we, large we, we, crowds maybe lar- we, large we bought no it came down to money yeah they think? didn't want to they didn't want to pay for stewards or crowd control or St. John's ambulance or screens the Gardaí the screens it was all down to money when the city is literally dying on its feet yeah I mean you I, I happened to be in town yesterday during the day yeah. And there was a lovely atmosphere around town. Absolutely lovely atmosphere and quite a, quite a crowd around. And then I, as I, I came home early, but I suppose town, most town is kind of emptied out by six, seven o'clock. And if they just ran, just an event. I mean, she was on with huge crowds. PJ, I think if you got if you got 10,000 in there, it would probably be a lot. And a third of them would be kids. Yeah. I mean, they're basically saying our Gardaí can't control that if you complain if you if you complain to Garda. But I mean, again, I'll go back to last week: forty thousand in Parky Creeve, not a problem. Not a problem. That forty thousand were, were in Cork City during the day or the evening or even afterwards. I didn't hear one um, report of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Not one. No, I think people are very disappointed. People, people are happy that the lights are on, Frank, and they are lovely. I was walking up this morning. And Absolutely, a, I presume so. They're lovely. I, I, I saw your photograph on Facebook this morning. It was gorgeous. Oh, that, that was that was just lucky. That was that, off the that, off that, the bridge. But the, the the lights themselves and are lovely. The, the other thing, PJ, and I know it's only picking at things and all that small things. Pick the away, the, pick the, away. Fo- the photograph on Facebook of the turning on of the lights. You had. Lord Mayor, a Lord Mayor, whatever. Lord Mayor. Ford. Yes. And there was two kids next to her. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder whose kids there are. <laughs> you could probably spend the day asking that question, Frank. Thank you. Good morning. 0818969696. Now, the photo he's talking about, it's on my Instagram, um, at PJ Coogan. I walked up this morning, got the bus in, and it was a beautiful morning for a little stroll through town and the lights were on and I got myself a coffee and I wandered up Panna and I came over Patrick's Bridge at around 
uh, on my iPhone was the time. And that lovely morning pre-sunrise glow. There's a name for it. I think they call it morning nautical twilight. You can see this kind of pinky orange. The sun isn't up and nowhere near up yet, but you can see the, the beautiful pinky orange. And as I looked out over Patrick's Bridge, there was enough pinky orange in the sky and enough lights being reflected on the river. And I just thought, that's beautiful. And I snapped it and I put it up on my gram if you want to see it um, at PJ Coogan. It's lovely, beautiful. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned before 10, God, this bloody country. To which the response comes, it's not this country, it's the idiots. People insist on voting into positions of power. I wonder there's a thing, actually. Stephen Donnelly was, as Leona said to me, Stephen Donnelly, the minister, asked all the families to be part of the process and to take part in the process that would lead to this report. I wonder what Minister Donnelly has to say about them being locked out of the draft and not being allowed to participate in the draft that they have to accept the final report as a fait accompli. I wonder how Minister Donnelly feels about that. It would be nice to know, wouldn't it? 0818 96 96 96. Now, if you were plagued night, noon and morning by this sound, would you know what it was? Now, we've amplified that, but that's in the skirting boards, it's in the floorboards, it's in the walls of Angela's house. I'll talk to Angela next. 0818969696. Access all areas on Courts 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with the latest in Cork's entertainment. The Love Buzz are a power trio from Cork, bouncing between indie, psychedelic, punk and rock. Their sound is eclectic and ever-changing. Their next hometown show is on December 10th at Cypress Avenue with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. Dirty Dancing comes to Cork next summer for the first time following a season at London's Dominion Theatre. Seen by millions across the globe, this worldwide smash hit tells the classic story of Baby and Johnny with tickets now on sale from Cork Opera House at corkoperahouse.ie. Access all areas. If you have a gig, show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the coming weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can reach us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guy. So let's get back now to to Angela. Let us imagine, and thanks for waiting, let us imagine that you can hear this particular noise day and night, under the floorboards, behind the walls, in the ceiling. Scratching and picking and tearing and scratching and tearing and picking and walking around. Mice. Mice in Angela's house. It's a council house. Now, we're not saying where Angela is. We're not going to say where she is uh, just for now. But, um, Angela, you're, you're, you're in trouble, girl. Morning. Hi, PJ. How are things? Um, yeah, um, I basically moved in to my council house years coming up to February and I'd say within three weeks of living here I noticed that I need a mouse 
um, issues, so Doc has control on the case, so whatever, but it's literally been ongoing yeah. for the past almost two years, and I just can't get on top of this. I've spent over a thousand euro getting pest control out to the house. I've All my savings are gone, um, and the issue is not resolving because my neighbour is completely infested with mice and it's coming over to my house. Um, it's I'm just beyond... I don't even know what to do anymore because I've contacted TV, I've contacted the county council and because the house is his own they yeah. can't they said there's nothing that they can do about it yeah so I'm just at my wits end really um, you sent us a picture uh, to describe it yeah. for people it's a bag full of mouse traps with mice in yeah. it yeah and that's only one bag like it's, it's a lot worse than just that one bag they're in the walls scratching at night um, yesterday I found mouse droppings in my washing basket and I found, mouse, I found two mice in yesterday alive inside my um, kids' uh, toy basket. And it's just... And, like, I'm petrified of them as well. You know, you wouldn't mind if you were petrified of them, but I'm quite yeah. afraid of them too. But I'm just kind of worried about my kids because, obviously, I know people say mice are harmless, but it's the droppings that are harmless because they can cause, you know, infection, disease and... Yeah. How, how old are your kids? Uh, three and six. Right. Particularly a three-year-old would be going around the ground a lot and crawling and oh, playing yeah. like any other toddler exactly. would. Exactly, yeah. And, like, I've had to throw so many toys and stuff just because, like, I know I can wash them and stuff like that, but I'm just so petrified that they're going to catch an infection. Yeah. Um, every morning I come down, I have to check around to see if there's mouse droppings, if there's any mice in their toy baskets and stuff. Like, I to scrub the house, obviously, but nothing's helping. Like, I've trapped, laid traps, I've laid poison, I've got those... Um, do you know those plug-in pest control things in the wall they're supposed yeah. to smite away but you might as well be throwing sweets at them exactly yeah and I got on then I can't I you know confronted my next door neighbour and he's a lovely lovely man he's never given me any trouble and he's just oblivious to it his house is quite ran down yeah. for other reasons that I don't know I'm not aware of but I did speak to him about it and he said that he'd caught 25 mice in the space of two hours um, one day and he'd like a box trap or something but then he continued to say that he's not laying any more traps and that I'm to walk over them like he does and he laughed. Oh God, so okay. It's clearly his way of living but it's affecting mine and I hate getting out on him because he's such a lovely man but it's, I just, I've had enough, like I've been trying right. to get a transfer anyway. Now so but, you're a council tenant but he yeah. owns his house. Now when you've gone to the council, um, yeah. what's their response? So basically they said it's my own issue that I have to sort out myself so I have to get onto pest control myself. And because his house isn't a isn't a council house, they can't do anything. But hold on, Angela, you're a council tenant. The council yes. is your landlord. Your premises yes. is infested with mice, and they're making yes. it your job. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. I've gone onto them so many times, and they're just look. I'm sorry, we can't do anything about it. And um, have they even come out to see it? No, they they don't care. To be honest, um, I have included the photo that I sent you now with my transfer list just to see if if it'll help but it, it just don't seem to care when it comes to rodents it seems to be yeah. my issue to solve yeah because I mean they are your landlord yeah exactly yeah and so, so you're reporting a problem with mice infestation to your landlord yeah, and your exactly. landlord is saying this is your problem yes it's my problem yeah but it's not really my problem because I'm not the cause of, of the problem I'm just getting the problem he has next door and it's 
I'm just so fed up. I know it sounds silly because they're only mice and stuff, but it's oh, terrific. Like it's, it's well, just, if you're catching them in plastic bagfuls, like you sent yeah. us in this picture, it's more than a small problem. It's a serious problem, particularly oh, when you've smallies. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, no, but if they're pooing in your washing basket, you have a problem. Yeah, exactly. And like they've been in my cereal, like there was droppings in my cereal boxes. They, um, I have a pot drawer and I went into it the other day and there was just mouse droppings all over the pots and the pans. Obviously, that's what we eat. So they're eating utensils and I've, I just, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I just, I don't know. I spent so much money on pest control and it's, yeah. he, he basically said to me, he was like, look, we can sort it out for a while, but... It's going to keep coming back until well, the of other. Of course it is, because the source of it is yeah. only next door. Now, I admit that if the man owns his house and it's a private ownership, there isn't yeah. a whole pile the council can do. But in terms of the, the council, as and I say it again, your landlord is the council. Like, have any of your local public reps been of any assistance to you here? Well, I went into them and they were sorry. They did feel sorry for me and they were sorry that they couldn't do anything but they again they said that because the house was his that there wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to do much have, have you tried contacting this is off the top of my head now Angela have you tried contacting the Department of Public Health my public health is actually because I'm getting it I'm getting transfer forms at the moment to get a transfer she's actually written in about the, the mouse infestation and the pictures are with it and everything but there's nothing that they, they can do like nobody I everyone's basically trying to be away and just said sorry we can't help but like his house is quite ran down it's visibly ran down Um, he doesn't have a general waste collection every week Um, so the last day I was talking to him and he told me that his general waste is in the hallway yeah. Um, so he keeps his bag of general waste in the hallway and like I've noticed that like he's opened the door before and I've seen it and there's a really like pungent smell that comes out and, and you say he's a nice man and I'm sure that he is yeah. and have you said to him look whatever about your house the mice are in my house they're in my kitchen they're in my pots they're in my cereal bowls what does yeah, he say he just he kind of goes quiet for a little while and like like what I said earlier he, he told me he actually specifically told me to walk over them like he does that they're not going to harm me but that's not the way that I live like I'm it's, it's disgusting like it's it's horrible that my kids can't even come down in the morning and I have to check first before they play with their toys and Kate and say there's a mouse or mouse droppings in places. Like he's just, it's like he's oblivious to it. And are the kids afraid of them? Like you Oh, are? they're petrified, yeah. Like, um, I sent a video, I'm not sure if you got an email, but I it was four o'clock in the morning and they were literally inside the walls scratching yeah. all night. And obviously we my got kids it. We got small. It. Yeah. And they were like, what is that, mammy? And do you know, I have to tell them it's a mouse, but I was like, they're fine or whatever, but it's... It's horrific. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a mouse. It's a lot of mouses. Yeah. <laughs> mices. Exactly. Yeah, it's not just one. It's it's a lot of them. Like, it's, like mm. even I had the door open. I was like, just how bad it's gotten. I was out washing the windows out the front door, out the front, and I opened the door, and a mouse actually in the front was in the front garden from his house, ran into my house, and then ran back out again. Like, I can't even leave my front door open. I'm just. I'm just so sick of it. Like I'm just, I'm sorry. No, I'm really upset. But it's just hard when I just. It's, it's obviously affecting my mental health as well. Like the house in general isn't suited for us, and then to have another issue on top of that, and like nobody will help. And it's like oh, I can't. I'm petrified. And I know it sounds silly, but. No, no, no. It doesn't sound silly at all. Oh, it, oh, apart oh, from the health hazard element, if you're afraid. 
I'm petrified, Dan. Like, I don't even want to go into cupboards now and stuff. It's just, it's not a way to live, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Being petrified in your own house. Like, yesterday when I found the mice, I had to bring myself and my child, and we could literally stay in the hallway for three hours. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was too afraid to go back into the sitting room. Like, it's... I know. It's so much. I'm firing out for crazy. You're okay. There should be no need for you to put up with it whatsoever. Yeah. Like, all I want is just a normal-sized house. I'll use a big one with no mice. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't... It's like, it's just... Yeah. It's just very hard. And it's taken an awful toll at my mental health. And I know it sounds silly because there's a lot of issues out there, bigger issues than what I have. But it's just horrible to not be feel comfy. Do you know, when you come home, you want to be comfy in your own house. But you're yes. just not because... And the no, of the that's that's no way. That's no way to have to live, and that's no yeah. way to 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 be just. Dis- you shouldn't be dismissed for that. Yeah, yeah, but I unfortunately am, and I just don't know what to do anymore. I'm just, okay, I'm sorry. No, you're all right, Angela. You're all right. You're all right. Um, thank you for for talking to me. Thank you so much for listening to me. <laughs> I hope your yeah. transfer comes through. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. I've got my public health nurse and my doctor and. Yeah. Uh, you know, voting for me, so please God. Anyway, here's hoping. Here's hoping. And you know what? You're you're like, very kind as well to this man next door. I I don't think I'd be quite as kind as you've been. Yeah, I just I just you know I don't know what struggles he's dealing with, so I don't want to be a burden on him either. You know, you're a good person, yeah. and, you, and you deserve a nice place to live. Angela, nice talking to you. Thank good... you so much, PJ. Take care. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, she's so nice. That's an awful situation in which she finds herself. Now, we are sending that a recording of that to the communications office in County Council to see if we get a response. She's looking for a transfer. She's got her doctor putting in documents for her. She's got her public health nurse putting in documents for her. And she's just trying to get get out of there. Uh, we also wanted to see what we could do about it legally for her or what her legal avenues might be. And we'll check that out in a minute. After 11, we'll see what legal avenues might be open to Angela. Not a lot, as it turns out, but we'll get a solicitor's view. William Harvey will be joining me after 11. Because if there is a nuisance next door to you, what rights do you have and what rights does she have as a tenant of the council? So we'll get we'll get more on that after 11. And then uh, the... Tribute to Vicky Phelan at quarter past 11. We're joining together with our radio friends around the country uh, in the Wireless Ireland radio group at quarter past 11. We're joining to pay our own small tribute to the great Vicky Phelan. Can I recommend a book to you? It's just out and it's written by a woman called Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch who years ago was a colleague here at Cork's 96 FM but she's written a book called The Girl with Special Knees. Not needs, knees. And I, I was leafing through it last night, and as a family, where there is a special need in the house, I identified with the book in a way that I don't even know if Eleanor ever thought others would. It's a beautiful book. It's so well written. It's such a sweet concept, a lovely idea. Hopefully I'll get to talk to her at some stage over the next while but I really do recommend it if you are a family where there's a special need in the house or if you've ever wondered what it might be like to be a family with a special need in the house or if you're trying to understand a family 
with a special need in the house. It's written as a work of fiction. It's actually quite funny at times, but it captures that essence of family life affected by a special need or changed by a special need in the house. It captures it in a way that I don't think I've read a book do so before. Best of luck with it, Eleanor, the girl with special needs. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Wayne Hilton gives you your next opportunity to qualify for the 10K toy giveaway this afternoon and Lorraine will make the draw after six. Two more 500 euro vouchers for Smith's Toys Superstores. Get and get out on this Friday evening as part of the 10K toy giveaway only on Cork's 96FM. So before 11, you'll have heard me talking to Angela and Angela is plagued with mice. They're not her mice. They've got nothing to do with her, but they're coming in from next door uh, where the man who lives next door, she said he's a very nice man, but he just lives with the mice. They're everywhere. He walks over them and she's caught a bag load of them and she sent us pictures of them scratching in the walls and she's driven distracted. She's trying to get a, a transfer out to council house but she just feels like no one wants to do anything for her and she feels helpless and she feels like she's got no advice or no one willing to sit down and, and tell her what her options might be. And as you can imagine, trying to live in a house with a couple of smallies and dozens and dozens of mice and they're scratching the walls and the other morning she found two mice inside in the child's toy box and there's droppings in in the saucepans and the droppings in the cereal bowls and you can't, just can't imagine what it must be like but what are her legal options if she has any indeed uh, William Harvey from Martin A. Harvey joins me William good morning morning PJ thanks for having me on delighted this is a distressing situation um, William what are her rights does she have any yeah so PJ she's three options uh, essentially um, the first thing is she certainly would have a claim in nuisance um, and uh, that allows her to issue proceedings because it's a nuisance claim and it can only be issued in the circuit court. And what a court can ultimately do there is grant an injunction preventing the continuing uh, nuisance, which would be the mice, of course, uh, and the court can also award damages. That's her first option. Mm. The second option there's old legislation going back to 1919 concerning rats and mice. And what she can do there, the, that, that legislation provides for the HSE uh, to come in once a complaint has been made and uh, essentially to demand that the uh, homeowner uh, causing the nuisance um, clears the premises of any rodents. Now, if there isn't compliance there, the HSE also under that act then have the power uh, to give a notice and on that notice they can enter the lands, clear the infestation themselves and also recover the expenses of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, our final option is she potentially would be able to make a complaint to the local authority but that's primarily related to uh, the issue of the smell which she had complained of mm-hmm. uh, coming from the next door property and that's under the Air Pollution Act. So they're essentially her three options, PJ. Mm-hmm. Now, She's a council tenant. If she was a private tenant, you'd be bringing something like this to the to the RTB. And I would have thought 
that it would be your landlord needs to deal with this. But council, we've sent the audio of the interview to the council for their response. But she seems to think that councillor, the council's attitude, according to her, is that she's on her own here. But surely, surely, William, they're her landlord and a landlord has a duty towards his tenant. Yeah, PJ, and I suppose the difficulty for the council here in this particular matter is they're not actually maintaining or creating the nuisance. It's coming in from next door. So really the breach, uh, the breach of our rights is coming from the, the neighbour next door. Mm. And that that is the party who you have to, uh, that's the party who the, the, the claim or the, the potential nuisance comes against. Um, it, it wouldn't be the Cork City Council in this, with the exception of making a complaint under the Air Pollution Act, which was the, the in, in relation to the smells coming from the door, sure. from next door even. But, but what's confusing me a little, William, is as the tenant... They are her landlord, so would it not be the landlord's duty to pursue the situation on behalf of his or her tenant? Well, it, it, certainly to a degree, PJ, but uh, I suppose the difficulty for Cork City Council is they've um, varying issues like this coming up, breaches coming from neighbours, neighbours not getting along, and like the the landlord-tenant relationship here uh, wouldn't be as broadly uh, as broadly defined say, as you would have with a private tenant. That's what so, I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. so it wouldn't be as broadly defined. The same rights don't apply um, as a private landlord say as against the city council uh, being your landlord. So the same rights certainly don't apply but if it was a private rented premises your complaint would be to your landlord one and, and certainly you'd be going to the RTB and that would be as against your landlord. Yes, yes, yes. Um, She's looking for a transfer. Her public health nurse is helping her. Her, her doctor is, is helping. It sounds to me, William, that the best thing the council can do is just get her out of there. But, but that, won't, that won't end the nuisance either. No, no. Like it's a very difficult situation for Cork, Cork City Council where they're not, in fairness to them, creating it's the or maintaining... the county council, actually, William, just to be sure. Sorry, the county council, yeah. sorry. My, my apologies. So, okay. um, um, so it's, it's a difficult situation for them in that they're, they're not creating or maintaining this uh, this nuisance and, and, and they find themselves in a difficult situation but like look the council as the owners of the property uh, they can certainly bring a claim under nuisance uh, the first uh, option I set out there where a court can you know they can get an injunction from a court they can potentially get damages um, but certainly look there's options open to them and, yeah. uh, and they can certainly avail of them so, so the bottom line is William something can be done legally but it's it's a circuit court matter it is, yeah. It is, and quite costly, quite expensive. Yeah. Um, and as as you said, there possibly the best thing to do would be to 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 move this lady and perhaps uh, proceed. If 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 I were advising Cork County Council, I'd be advising them to move this lady mm. and to um, pursue a nuisance claim and get the matter resolved. And then you have another house back on the market to rent. Indeed. All right, or William. To, to, Thank you very much, William Harvey from Martin A. Harvey and Company Solicitors down there on uh, George's Key. The law. As they like to say sometimes, the law is quite clear. She does have uh, legal recourse, but it's expensive and difficult and probably long-winded as well. She does have legal recourse, but I think the best thing they could do is get her out of there. ASAP, and then, like William says, they then have options. The council then have options as the owners of the house. Thanks for that, William. Uh, We are sending, like I said, we're sending the recording of... Angela to the county council and if we get a response from them 
uh, in the fullness of time, you'll know all about it. Okay, it's coming up to a quarter past 11, and we were here on Monday, Monday morning, uh, when the news broke that the death had occurred of cervical check campaigner Vicky Phelan. She was only 48, and she died in the early hours of Monday morning at Milford Hospice in Limerick. And I played back then I played a recording or a part of a recording of the last interview she'd ever given us here on 96FM um, about her health and the state of her health which was Christmas 2019 and people the outpouring of love and respect and gratitude to Vicky Phelan over the last few days has been phenomenal and in remembering Vicky we also remember women like Irene Teep and we remember women like Emma Vicvahuna and others uh, and 220-something families affected by the cervical check scandal. And we reminded ourselves that if she had done what she was asked to do by, by the authorities and taken her settlement and kept quiet about it, we probably would never know about the others. But she said, no, she wasn't having any of that. She wasn't going to be silenced. And she became a voice for women and a voice for families and a voice for justice. She wrote a book called Overcoming, which went to number one, and she also was part of a film, which I hope you'll get an opportunity to see soon, simply called Vicky, remarkable a piece of work. So, with all of that in mind, on this beautiful, sunny, bright Friday morning, ourselves here at 96FM and our colleagues at C103 and indeed around the country part of the Wireless Ireland local radio group of stations we're teaming up just now at 11.15 to pay a special tribute to Vicky Phelan we're all coming together just now to remember her remember what she sounded like remember her energy her vigour, her determination her sheer refusal to give in Let's remember Vicky. I bawled my eyes out now. I really just absolutely sobbed my heart out. I kind of got myself back together, went back out, but my mother knew, you know, mammy's always know anyway, you know. Um, she just looked at me and I could barely look at her and I just shook my head and um, we walked out of the waiting room. This is my medical file. This is when I got all the information back from copies from my solicitor. The original result was no abnormality detected. And then when they reviewed it on the audit, it says squamous cell carcinoma. Squamous cell carcinoma is cancer. I never want to see this happen again. And if I do die, you know, I want it to be not in vain. And I want to make sure that the, there are protocols put in place. Kian Corla, as Taoiseach on behalf of the state, I apologise to the women and their loved ones who suffered from a litany of failures in how cervical screening in our country operated over many years. My dying wish will be for the women of Ireland that because of what has happened in this past year, maybe my last year on earth, they will be able to trust that their lives are in safe hands, that they will be minded and cared for at their most vulnerable, and that everything will be done to give them the lives they deserve. We want action now, no more talking. The time they deserve with the people they love and who love them and who need them in the world. The women of Ireland deserve to know how many more Vickies, Ruth and Emmers are out there. There will be others who will continue this fight without me when I'm gone because we are all in this together at the end of the day. We all come from that same place. 
from my mother's womb. This is everybody's story. Thank you, Phelan. Rest in peace and thank you for just being you. The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. 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 The Two Grand Minute with the Pavilion Christmas Store. Discover the latest Christmas styling trends and delightful dining. The Pavilion for Christmas. Just minutes from Cork Airport. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. Now, there was huge excitement in Crosshaven earlier this week when, as part of a development by the O'Flynn Group at an old former residential unit on Church Bay Road, uh, demolishing the unit to make way for 99 new houses, they discovered something. Uh, Their archaeologist, Admiral Purcell, who was working for O'Flynn Construction, discovered something. And as archaeologists do, when they find something, they keep digging. And what they have found is a Bronze Age settlement. Uh, Lots of evidence of Bronze Age settlement and Bronze Age activity. And Tom O'Driscoll joins me, who is Development Manager at the O'Flynn Group. Exciting, Tom, and I know it was your own architect or an architect working for you who found it. But I'm sure you must have said, oh my God, what's going to happen now? Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, uh, nice to speak with you, and thanks for giving us the opportunity to, to speak to you this Delighted. morning. Delighted. Yes, um, it, it it was yes, absolutely interesting find, and it, it was uh, uncovered um, by our archaeologist Alfred Purcell. And I suppose it is important to say that the, the find was, uh, I suppose, was identified as part of the the planning conditions um, that were that accompanied the site when we got planning for the for development mm. earlier this year, which would be standard practice for for development sites and you know doing some archaeology um, testing and and some geophysical surveys, and it identified the um, the area of interest, I suppose, um, and which which wasn't um, known to us be, before before this week, and yes. um, it did identify this area. But so, so as, I, well, well, I, just to, what I think you're saying to me is, as part of your planning conditions, you were required to have an archaeologist attached to the project who could take a, a proper look before anything was done. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's quick, PJ, and that would be that would be kind of a, a kind of a standard um, step in the in the pre-development of a site, um, you know, for particularly for Cork County Council's areas, and they would they, they would that would come as a requirement, and it was specified on the planning. That's correct. Yeah. So, what happens now that this has been found? Well, I, I suppose I'm, in the first instance, PJ, I would say that the, I know there was in some reports that there was a structure on the site. Uh, that's not the case. Um, you know, a, prior to the site being developed, it, it was it was just open green fields. Um, there was no evidence of of any structure, so we weren't demolishing any any structure on the site. Um, you know, so that that's that 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 might be lost in translation somewhere. Okay. But what's happening at the moment? The PJ's first to answer your question is that obviously that uh, we're facilitating. Um, further excavation on the site and uh, that's ongoing at the moment and just the area has been has been cordoned off and uh, and uh, Avril is continuing to um to to I suppose to continue to excavate further which is part of the part of the process in the area of interest and um we're, we're accommodating that which and we're happy to do that obviously um so what's what's going to happen now I suppose PJ is that it will result in reduction of number of houses on the site it, 
um, six houses, less six houses now will be developed on yes. the site. Yeah, and, I saw Michael, uh, will, I saw Michael saying that. Why, why is that, Tom? Can you explain that to us? Why is that? Well, it, I suppose the reason for that, PJ, is because the, the area of of, the, of interest that uh, that we're that we're speaking about, um, we want to we want to preserve that area, and in order to preserve that area, it will it will require that that the this, the development um, it would be reduced by uh, by the six houses. So, and that w- that will facilitate PJ then. Um, the the preservation of this area. So a, a, a part of this area will be preserved, and it won't be dug up, um, and it will be left in situ. Mm. Um, and all this, by the way, will PJ will be done in in accordance with the as work the requirements of archaeology, but also under the um, I suppose the there is certain regulations and stuff sure. of the National Monitoring Service that we have to comply with. And Avril Avril um, will will be will be as was is part of that process for us. But what what it will mean. Um, PJ is that the area that where the where the area has been discovered will remain. Um, you know, we'll we'll preserve it and will will remain undisturbed. But we will be other areas that we will be that we will be recording and we will be excavating and recording and in line with the National Monitoring Service as okay. well. So there'll be a bit of both, PJ. Yeah. So it's gone from a ninety-nine house development now down to ninety-three, and then the in terms of the time scale for the the build or the development, will that be affected? Well, I, I suppose the, the thing about PJ is that it's not the, the area of that of um, of interest is, is confined to one part of the site. So it's not it's not widespread throughout the site. So obviously, in conjunction with the archaeology and with Cork County Council, who are also working closely with their with their archaeology department as well, um, that we would we would hope that we we would be able to um, push ahead with with the other parts of the site. But obviously, we'd be very um, careful and and in relation to the the area of the archaeology. And as I said, we will we will continue to archaeology. Uh, investigations on the site, but where it's found that the archaeology isn't an issue, we'd be hopeful that we could that we could push ahead with that. Excellent. All right, and good luck with it. Um, that's Tom O'Driscoll, Development Manager at the O'Flynn Group. Councillor Audrey Buckley, uh, fierce excitement, I believe, in Crosshaven when when this was found. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for having me on. I know it's it's great to have a feel good story, isn't it? Um, it's very exciting. Um, you know, we've been walking up and down that road. I don't know ever since. You know, I was able to, um, and it's just um, you know it's right off the Church Bay Road, so it's very exciting. And um, people are it's great. It's a great feel good story for the area. A lot of people are talking about it. What What's the history of the site that you know it? Um, it's a farmer, so St Patrick's Cemetery is just above it, um, and there's a field in between. So the field that um, O'Flynn's purchased a couple of years ago from a farmer has always been, um, I think, cattle. To be honest, uh, I don't think anything else has been on the site, you know. Yes. There's been never any buildings on it. It was always agricultural. Right, right. And it was a... a f- what's, there's some confusion then over a former residential unit. Where was no, that? No, no, that's... Uh, no, no. Uh, there was never any building on that. That I was see. agricultural. There's properties in, in front of that site uh, going up the Church Bay Road. I'm not sure if you you know the Church Bay Road on the way to Church Bay Beach there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's the houses, properties, private properties on the front there. The fields then would back on to these ah, properties. I know so I maybe you. that's the confusion. That might be the confusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and 
Uh, yeah, I, I was yeah. thinking, okay, residential, where's the residential? And because, yeah, oh, there you no, go. no. So it's around the residential. Now, what we would hope that would happen and, and we would be looking for as a community is that, like other areas, um, we do understand. Look, I was speaking to, um, we we're very fortunate. We have Mary Sleeman in Cork County Council. She's been assisting us, I don't know, you know, Temple Breedy, where we could sheep and ghosts, etc. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's been instrumental in helping us and walking us through applications. So I spoke to her about this site um, and uh, you know she was kind of laughing at me because I was so excited I wanted to see where these houses were and <laughs> to feel and touch things and she was just kind of laughing at me saying Audrey there's no taricella going to be found here <laughs> it's basically soil and the colour of soil um, <laughs> now they did find um, a few bits of uh, a bronze um, uh, uh, not bronze sorry for the, uh, pottery Right, and they found like you know the Preston morsel that we would use for herbs and that. Yes, yes, yes. It's called a saddle kern, Q U E R N, which is a new word for me, and it looks like a mortar and pestle for for breaking up wheat, I guess, okay. back then. So they were settled. I think they were the Bronze Age, just doing a bit of research myself. <laughs> they were settled farmers. I think they were kind of the first to kind of settle um, in areas. So yeah. it's, it's, and apparently this was a large enough settlement. So yeah. it's, it's very exciting, you know. They Absolutely. were sh- they were covered from the wind because they were down halfway. Because that field is quite, if, you know, there's quite a slope on that field, but they were halfway down the field, so they were covered, sheltered. The water was nearby there, so mm. for fishing, etc. Nice sight. It's a lovely time. We are hoping that, um, and we will be asking that that area because it's it's fortunate enough that it's the entrance to the site actually going into. It's called Helms Point, as the new development. What it's called, and um, it's on the right going in there. So we will be asking for a bit of history boards. There maybe um, anything we can do. Yeah. yeah, just to keep it because point is, you know, it's, I understand they have to bury it up and cover it up, but. You know, we want it for the next generation of future and for kids to go and look and say, you know what, there is a three and a half, five thousand euro bronze settlement there. There you go. There you go. Audrey, interesting, exciting times. Uh, And nice to see a good development going up there as well. Thanks, Audrey. That's Councillor Audrey Buckley of uh, Crosshaven. So it was just a field. There was no residential on it, but they found this and they coordinated off. So there was to be 99 houses built on Helms Point. It'll now be 93. 0818 96 96 96. Thank you for that. And someone sent us that the other evening and sent a message to say they'd found this. And we were thinking, God, they found all sorts. As, as Audrey was saying, maybe they found the next Derrick and Flan challenge. No, no such thing. But it's an exciting discovery in Crosshaven. A place that's older than Cronin's, for goodness sake. I mean, what else do you want? You could win a 100 euro penny shopping voucher. 100 euro? With Cork's 96 FM. To do is take our 10 minute music survey. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Take the survey for your chance to win a 100 euro pennies voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or C96FM.ie. Just checking because today isn't actually Black, Fla- Black Friday. Next Friday is Black Friday, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, and next Friday is Black Friday. But as someone was saying this morning on Twitter, it seems now as if Black Friday runs for the whole month of November. 
0818 and good to see it. 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. If you want to contact us over the weekend, it is not like we pack up the tent here at 12 o'clock on Friday and we're not seen again till Monday morning. You can contact us if you need to over the weekend. Anthony, you think we should be talking about or you want to bring to our attention or something you're annoyed about or happy about or furious about or spitting feathers about? Let us know. Best way to do it across the weekend is opinion at 96fm. Dot IE. Same if you listen to any of our podcasts. We put about 30 podcasts a week up, including the full show every single day. Opinion at 96fm.ie, the easiest way to get to us. This time last week, I was talking about the SS Ardmore commemoration. Um, they're looking for, those, those who organise this every year, are looking for a formal commemoration to happen every year single year and to be organised properly to remember the SSR more but we were mentioning that last week in the run up to the one that they had but you might have seen if you were there you might have seen a man in very authentic clothing from the 1940s just there adding to the occasion being part of the occasion and recreating the time in which the SSR more was lost. His name was Barry, and Barry was from the Cove Animators Group, who do this, who recreate the clothes and the look, and to use a great old guard the word, the gatch of the time. And they do it, they've been doing it for 10 years now, and the coordinator and the person who does all the bookings and speaks on their behalf is Claire Stack. Claire, good morning to you. Morning to you, PJ. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Cove Animation Team, um, we were founded in 2012, uh, so this is our 10th anniversary this year um, by the late uh, Councillor Claire Cunnan. It was following on from the Titanic commemorations in Cove, um, and that time there, Claire organised, I suppose, um, for people to come dressed, you know, in the uh, costumes at the time. And after that, then she found that, you know, it was such a success, really, that she thought that this was something that could go on, Mm -hmm. you know, something promote I suppose our history and our heritage and um, so she founded the Cove animation team there and I suppose it's grown from there then really I remember Um, being at those commemorations that's right yeah and and seeing the costumes and thinking Mm -hmm. wow that's fantastic yeah, it was an idea that she had, you know what I mean, and she was great for the ideas and everything and, uh, you know, great to kind of bring things to fruition. So, um, with her, with her passion, and she was very passionate about the town and mm. county and, and, and country, really, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, and then combined with her, her, um, style and, you know what I mean, her, um, fashion and that sort of thing, she thought this is something that could really work, you know. She, she was a character I was fond of her. She was, yeah, yeah, she was. She was my best friend. So, was you know, she? yeah, yeah, so it was a big loss to us there. In 2016, when she passed away suddenly, you know. So, yes. so you, you kept it up, and you kept going, and you've, you've quite a collection of stuff now. Yeah, we we are really, I suppose, at the time we knew it was something that we wanted to keep going in Claire's memory and that, you know, so um, I was kind of, I suppose, in the, in the background with her there, I used to do all the photographs and things, but the team, we, we wanted to keep it going, so we decided that we would as best we could, it mightn't be the same way that Claire would have it, but, you know, as best that we could and, and keep her memory and, and the team going. So, yeah, we've done an awful lot since then, I mean, up to 2016, I mean, we had travelled to um, to Belgium, we had travelled to Liverpool, 
Belfast and everything promoting um, the history of, of the various groups and things like that, you know. You um, call it living history. It's a good name for it because you see the people in the costumes, you are kind of transported back authentically. It, it tells you more than just a picture. That's it, exactly, and that's what we do. And we do a living history um, in various reduction schools, and we've done it in active age groups and that sort of thing through costume. Um, for instance, we did one there recently you now in the local secondary school uh, for the TY students, and, you know, it just brings it to life for them, you know, I mean, reading something in a book. It's, it's, it's not quite the same as seeing someone dressed in the costume at the time, and we try and tell the stories as well. We do kind of two living histories, one, uh, Manana Heron, which we, we kind of brought up in, in 2016 for the 1916 commemorations, telling about the, the women of the time and, you know, like Margaret Pierce and that. And then the second living history we do then is, I suppose, the history of around our own area, I suppose, Cove and, um, you know, Fota and all various things as well in Cork um, through the different costumes, you know. So it, no it goes out very well. There's no shortage of history around Cove to be That's working on. Exactly. I see that one of your members was at the commemoration for the SSR more as well. That's right, yeah. I mean, we, we just got that invite just the day before and sometimes I'd say we're a voluntary group um, of about, you know, being 14 and 16 so sometimes, you know, there would be a few, a good few available sometimes not as many, you know, depending on, on what's on at the time and uh, we were delighted to be able to, to, you know, Barry went to that for us and um, which was great. I mean, that's such a big part of Cork history as well and quite an unknown story I think as well so we were delighted to be able to go and to promote those afterwards as well just to yeah. where, 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 where do you get the, the stuff from the costumes because they're really authentic the, yeah I mean the what we do is we um, we do them all ourselves um, and make them all ourselves or sometimes if we, we might be able to do something we might get someone to do something for us um, but every every person there has their own costume so if, we, if we're doing say promotion say the Lusitania every person in the team has their own costume in that style right. so it's not just one costume everyone so as you can imagine <laughs> their the wardrobes are, are quite full of animation team uh, costumes and that um, so we, we try and uh, say look it up and uh, look at the history of the time and just see what it is and we try and do it as, as authentic as possible and then people sometimes donate things to us as well um, for we have costumes I say we do them from about 1840 to 1940 that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the era that we do and um, so I say sometimes when we were doing say the late 1930s and that now um, which we use for the Spike Island commemoration yes. um, you know somebody had donated it lovely uh, a, a suit from the time to one of our ladies which was fabulous to have something so from that time as well and, and we wear it with pride and people you know what I mean when people donate things to us we you know we, we wear them and use them with, with pride because it's, it's a big thing for people to give things that you know belong to them you know what I mean so you, you met the president as well didn't you yes when he was down for the uh, Lusitania commemorations um, as well we would have met him and then we would have gone up um, with that time after the Lusitania commemorations um, the council and the groups that were involved at the time were invited up to our Neutron and um, uh, Claire went and I went with her and we presented him with a photograph of the team you know what I mean for the Lusitania commemorations and that and we 
recently there now we were invited up to for a tour of the gardens or something from so we went up there in full regalia <laughs> we had uh, our costumes we didn't travel up now in the costumes we <laughs> we went up and we we went out and we had um, costumes of each era and we had a magnificent two hour tour of the gardens um, and um, you know, then we went to the National Museum for a visit as well and yeah. went in to see their costumes there and it was great to see that we were actually a lot of them what we were doing was so authentic with what was actually there at the time yeah. so that was wonderful you know Alright congratulations and continued success Thank you I, I think Claire she, you said she was your best friend and I was yes. very very fond of her yes. I think she'd be delighted with what you've made I'd, of it we'd like, to, we'd like to hope so anyway I mean, we know that she's there with us all the time every time a, a white feather or a butterfly flies past there us we know she's with us there and that's go. the most important thing you know Alright continued success Thank you very much PJ Cheers, cheers. Yeah, that's uh, Claire from Cove Animators, Claire Stack, 0818969696. Speaking of history, I see in the paper today, and of course we had the whole big change last weekend where it was announced that the merger between St. Vincent's and the North Press or the amalgamation was not going to go ahead. We were just getting off the air this time last week, heading into the weekend when the statement was due and it came out and it knocked the whole amalgamation on its head and people were thrilled and delighted and excited and all these things. But uh, now we read that the North Press is to have a new name when it opens in September of 2023. It'll have a new name, a new uniform. It'll be co-ed, of course. Uh, so there's a big change coming there. And talk about part of history changing. So just thought there, talking about the history and the animators and all that. We don't know what the name will be. They're going to have a selection process where names will be chosen and then sent to the patrons of the school and there'll be a choice made in the end. They'll select four or five names and choose one. We'll see what that will be. 0818969696. People have been asking me lately, and we talk about it from time to time, what's been happening at Onakura? Because um, we said we'd stay with this until the end, whatever the end would be. I was back there uh, in the recent few days, back down with the people in Onakura to chat with them again and let you hear about that after the weekend. But here's just a sample of what's to come. When we look at what we've got and when we look at what they've uh, offered, it, it's a hard to rationalise this. There was two best friends in the centre. They are now resident in two different units. One of them didn't know that the other was being moved until the same morning. They're being yanked out of where they live and being sent miles and miles away. Why should an adult of 67 years of age share a room with another person? How is that meant to be an improvement? Those are the residents and families of Onakura, some of them still there, and I was talking to them, and you'll let you hear that in full on Monday. Lastly for today and lastly for this week, Jackie O'D from Sea Salt Cafe and Deli in Cove. So where did you spot Kelly Harrington? Where was she? Morning. Hi there, how are you? Um, my husband, Henry, he spotted her. Um, she had come on, she was sitting at a table, and he came into the kitchen and said, I think Kelly Harrington is sitting out front. So we were obviously thrilled, and uh, she was absolutely lovely. Yeah. So just she just what was, was she with anybody? Was she, she was with her wife Mandy. Yeah. The two of them sat. They had their lunch, uh, very unassuming, and a couple of our regular customers came in and spotted her and asked for photographs. She was so obliging. Stood, yeah. had her photograph taken, 
really lovely girl, yeah. Was she, was she just down for a visit, down for a wander? I think she might be in the area for a few days, I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 She comes, she, she has a lovely photograph on your, on your Instagram there. It is, isn't it? Henry was like, we have to get all the women into this photograph because, you know, she's such a feminist icon. And uh, he was dragged in as well. But of course, we're used to having um, Olympic medalists in sea salt because we have Sonia Sullivan here. Of course. Yeah, of course. so she pops in whenever she's around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know when you're going over, you see someone sitting down for the coffee and whatever they're having and, and you think, Will I go over? Yeah. <laughs> we, we have this thing in Ireland where we tend to leave people alone. And then we're giving them the eye the whole time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you could almost imagine, it's all right, it is, it's me. Like, it's Yeah, it is who you think it is, yeah. And it's okay to approach me. She yeah. was really lovely and her wife was just as nice. Yeah, Mandy, I think is yeah, the name. Mandy, yeah, Mandy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lovely, lovely to see. Lovely to see. And would Sonia be, I don't know, she spends most of her time in Australia now. But have, she does, but she's in Cove. Pretty often. I mean, she, I think she might come over once a year, maybe maybe a bit more often if there was something happening. Yeah. Um, she, she's here for the, the Sonia 10 race every year. She does that pretty much every year. Yeah. And she pops into this most of the time, yeah. she's Again, she's really lovely. Yeah. And own, uh, always own. willing to send in for a photo with your somebody. Own, your own Olympic, your own resident. Our own medalist, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's lo- lovely, though. And she, she just wandered in, and there she was herself and Mandy tied in for the bit. But I'm looking at the pictures on your Instagram. What did they have? Um, they had Turkish eggs. Turkish yeah, eggs? Nice and, nice and healthy, yeah. yeah. What are Turkish, Turkish eggs, eggs when they were at home, Jackie? Turkish eggs are orsala um, feta, whipped with Greek yogurt, and then we poach eggs, pop them on top of the yogurt, and then we have peanut rayu, which we pop on top of that, with some roast cherry tomatoes and some garlic toasts. You had me at the poached eggs. Did I? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a big poachy fan. I okay. love my poachies. And we only use organic poached, organic eggs here, so they're even better for you. Lovely. All right, listen, Jackie, delighted and beautiful photograph. Thanks great, so much. We were delighted cheers. to see you. Cheers. Good luck with everyone, or to everyone at Sea Salt Cafe in Delhi, visited during the week by Kelly Harrington. There's a great picture on their Instagram. Uh, yeah, she comes with, anytime you hear her interviewed, she just comes across as such a lovely, lovely person. All right, that is it. We are done. God, it was a busy one. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you Monday just after nine.